0: This week's episode is brought to you by CommuniCore Weekly, the musical. Learn all about how Jeff and George saved the world. Get your copy on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, and listen for free on Spotify. CommuniCore
1: Weekly hey. You wanna get geeky yeah. Bobble rap boats And five-legged goats CommuniCore Weekly You might catch a freakin'. You wait it all week Sure you already know this greatest
0: show. <laughs> Welcome to Season 3! Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born, identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And I'm enjoying this
2: nice, cool breeze coming in through my window right here. So it's, it finally got below 90. Uh, it's currently 87. Ooh. So, you know, the windows are open. The breeze is coming through. We got a nice crosswinds happening. It feels great, guys.
0: But what if there's like somebody peeking
2: outside the window, like
0: sneaking, looking at you and stalking at you? What, you see any red eyes? Hang, hang, on, the window? hang on. I'm going to look. I'm gonna,
2: red eyes. George. Yeah. It's, it's not dark here. It's the middle of the afternoon. Oh, oh, see, it's dark here. Oh, see, that's what happens with the time travel. If, if if I just saw red eyes, I'd be significantly more scared because there'd be nothing attached to those red eyes. Exactly. I mean, it's it's dark here. so. Oh, uh, see, okay. yeah. That's where the confusing thing comes in.
0: Man, it it's is. It's still way, it's...
2: way light here. I mean, I can look outside and I can see
0: everything. Wow. I'm and sorry that you live in such a to... desolate place. <laughs> desolate and dark. That's North Carolina. Thank you very much. The sponsor of this week's episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> My apologies to everyone who lives in North or South Carolina.
2: No, we don't talk about South Carolina. Oh, you, do- you don't? No. no oh, is won't. that like Fight Club? Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. I'm going to stop talking about it now. Let's, let's, let's go to the history segment.
1: It's time for dizzy History.
2: Well, howdy, partners. Are you ready to learn about the wildest ride in the wilderness? Of course you are. Is that that's a Western why... accent? That was probably the worst Western yeah. accent in the history See, of Western it, instead accents. Instead of
0: being Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show, we should be Communicore Weekly, where the hosts cannot do any accents. Can't do any accents whatsoever. At all. So, anyways, we were But that's why you listen the... to us babble to begin with,
2: because <laughs> we're hilarious when we do anything outside of our regular comfort zone. Uh, of course, yes. <laughs> well, back to the history segment. We're going to explore Big Thunder Mountain Railroad this time around. And although the details of the backstory uh, vary from park to park and have changed over the years, they all follow the same general story arcs. And sometime in the late 1800s, gold was discovered on Big Thunder Mountain in the American Southwest. And overnight, the small mining town of Rainbow Ridge, as was uh, originally called in Disneyland, or Tumbleweed, as it's called at the Magic Kingdom, or Thunder Mesa, as it's called in Disneyland Paris, they all became a thriving mining town, and mining was the their business and brother business was
0: a boomin'. <laughs> okay, so an extensive line of mine trains was set up to transport the ore. And unknown to the townsfolk, though, the mountain was a sacred spot to local Native Americans and was cursed. So before long, the settlers' desecration of the mountain caused a great tragedy, which, depending on the park, is usually depicted to be an earthquake at Disneyland Paris or Disneyland, a tsunami, Tokyo Disneyland or a flash flood at the Magic Kingdom. These tragedies pretty much destroyed all business and the town was abandoned. Sometime later, the locomotives were found to be racing around the mountain on their own without engineers or a crew. The Big Thunder Mountain Railroad was founded in the old mining camp to allow tourists to take rides on possessed trains. That's right, folks. When you board
2: your train on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, (laughs) you're actually riding trains controlled by ghosts. Ghost Trains. I am so scared right now. Right? I'm pretty sure that was a horror movie title. Maybe that was Ghost Ship. I don't remember. (laughs) It was one of those two. I'm going to go with Ghost Trains because it sounds great. Either way... That was the story of the attraction when it was originally open, but you really don't hear too much about it these days. Now it's mostly, oh, hey, we're on a train running around the mountain, that's not weird or anything, but that's it. But we're looking at the actual history of the ride, not just the backstory, and we'll find that everyone's favorite mustache, Tony Baxter, designed the
0: concept with ride design engineer Bill Watkins. So the concept came from Baxter's work on fellow Imagineer Mark Davis's concept for the Western River Expedition, a Western-themed pavilion at the Magic Kingdom designed to look like an enormous plateau and contain many rides, including a runaway mine train coaster. We we talked about the history of Western River Expedition way back in episode 30, so if you want to learn more about it, you can listen to it again. Uh, Unfortunately, because the pavilion was deemed too expensive and because pirates was being demanded, Baxter proposed severing the mine train from the Western River idea and building it as a separate attraction. Now, the Big Thunder Mountain
2: Railroad project was put on hold in 1974 as resources and personnel were being diverted to work on constructing Space Mountain over in Tomorrowland. But in the end, this delay ultimately produced a smoother ride because the use of computers uh, in attraction attraction design was just beginning when the project was resumed again. So that made Big Thunder Mountain Railroad one of the first Disney rides to utilize computer-aided design. And the attraction first opened at Disneyland in 1979, with the Magic Kingdom's larger version in Florida opening in 1980. And Tokyo Disneyland added its own version in 1987, and in 1992, Disneyland Paris opened with Big Thunder Mountain Railroad uh, as an opening day
0: attraction. In keeping with the theme, The station buildings on all four versions of the ride are designed to look as though they are the abandoned offices of a mining company from the mid to late 19th century. The mountains themselves are themed to the red rock formations of the American Southwest. The rockwork designs on Disneyland's Big Thunder Mountain Railroad are based on the hoodoos of Bryce Canyon National Park in Utah. In the Magic Kingdom, Tokyo, and Paris versions of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, the rockwork designs are based on the rising buttes that are located in Utah and Arizona's Monument Valley. Special care was taken by the Imagineers to make it appear that the rocks were there, were there originally and the track was built around the rocks, unlike a number of earlier mine rides which were built the other way around by sculpting the rocks around the tracks. Now, the action of the ride takes place completely in
2: the sagging, rotting tunnels of the mountain itself. And in con- contrast to most steel roller coasters where the thrills come from the perception of flying through the open air, the thrills of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad are meant to come from the perceived you know, instability of the mine and its constant threat of collapse. Now. There's special effects of a typical locomotive operation that are piped into the surrounding scenery to kind of add realism to guests viewing the ride from uh, the observation platforms, uh, including the steam whistle sounds, even though there are no whistles on display on the locomotives as you're riding them. It's a ghost whistle! Ooh, spooky! You're not making spooky noises, George. That's because I'm a little too frightened to oh, speak. okay. Ooh! Actually, now I'm a little too. All aboard. I was
0: going to say, now I'm a little too ashamed to speak. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I apologize. Okay, so Disneyland just refurbished their version of the attraction and added an explosive new ending, no pun intended. Okay, well, maybe a little pun intended. Now, kind of abandoning the ghost theme altogether in a way, the end of the ride brings you through a dynamite-filled mine shaft and using projection mapping and special effects, you follow a lit fuse all the way up to the top of the shaft where a gigantic explosion shoots you out to the end of the ride. Now, the train cars that carry you through the ride have names such
2: as, you are courageous, I am bold, you are fearless, I Be Hardy and You Are Daring. There was also an I Am Brave at Disneyland, but that was renamed to I Am Loco after an accident. Now, just for reference, Hong Kong Disneyland does NOT have a big Thunder Mountain Railroad attraction. or a western theme, Frontierland, for that matter. However, they do have a Grizzly Gulch, and Grizzly Gulch has a a theme very similar to Frontierland. And the main attraction, Big Grizzly Mountain Runaway Mine Cars, which is a very long name, and I'm gonna stumble over it all the time, (laughs) it carries a very similar theme to Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. So kind of like the Haunted Mansion and the Phantom Manor and Mystic Manor are all sister attractions, then the same kind of holds true for Big Thunder and Big uh,
0: Grizzly Mountain. Now, you know, we just uh, got to experience Big Thunder Mountain, the the Disneyland version, of course, many times on the Communa Tour, You just got to, to experience it. it. I experience it all the time. Oh, be quiet. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the Royal Wii. But, you know, it was a fantastic ending with the Dynamite Fill Cave. It was really a great use of technology. Yeah,
2: I like and, the, the projection mapping and how it apparently it, it changes based on the smoke that pops out. It, mm-hmm. it differs. I think that's a pretty neat idea.
0: Yeah, and it was really a smooth ride. And, you know, they just refurbed the Big Thunder Mountain in uh, Florida sometime in the past year. I can't remember the exact date, but they did some track maintenance on it. And it was a lot smoother as well. So I'm glad to see that they're still making some changes to ch- these rides ch- and not just leaving. To- <laughs> Sorry. Now who's the one singing? It's me. I don't know what's happening.
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> like opposite day. <laughs> It's opposite <laughs> I'll just go back to missing the ghost whistles. Ooh,
1: spooky. You're
0: going to scare everybody that's in line right now listening. Sorry, everyone. They'll
2: be, they'll be afraid. Sorry. But, uh, you know, if you have a comment or a question about uh, this week's
0: history segment, George, where should they call? Ooh, they should call the goat line and leave us a goat mail. Call 424-785-4628. That's 424 785
1: goat to listen up to the words from his it's Book of the week.
0: so this week we are looking at three of the Birnbaum travel guides so you know with the advent of the interwebs and the bajillion of the <clears throat> mommy blogs that are focused on planning your next Disney you trip it's hard to remember when there were only a handful of options for, you know, planning your next vacation. You either contacted Disney travel services, you know, under what various different names or your local travel agent, and they would send you some brochures or you'll get one of the Walt Disney World magazines. And you know, that was really all you had to help you plan your vacation. But that all changed in 1982 with the introduction of Steve Birnbaum brings you the best of Walt Disney World. And then in 1985, they debuted the Disneyland version. And that's a lot of well. alliteration, I gotta say, right there. Uh, yeah, we could try. So <laughs> didn't even occur to me
2: until you said that out loud how, how much alliteration. alliteration that was.
0: <laughs> that's one of our specialities.
2: alliteration. Alliteration. Bringing, brought to you by Cucumber Crew Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, since then, the, the Burnbound guides have really been a staple of kind of like the home-based Disney vacation planning. And, you know, after Disney saw kind of what an amazing job that they were doing and they, they bought the brand in 2001, uh, they began producing it under their banner. And I don't think this really harmed the guide in any particular way. Um, it, it kind of brought it to a whole new level since they had insider information. Um, but it did come with some
0: ups and downs that's true you know a lot of times people will scoff at the official guides because they see them as like a a corporate shill and you know i've always been a big fan because they were the only guides originally that were allowed to use photos until of course the past few years and it's much easier to recommend the thinner and more easily digestible official guide to a first timer and of course once you've got a trip or two under your belt the unofficial guide I, I would consider it sort of like a master a thesis for serious students of Disney Vacation. So if you really want to know all the ins and outs, then definitely go with one of the unofficial guides. But you know, I still really love the Burnbaum Guide. Burnbaum Guides. Blah, blah, blah. How There's do you a, say they, it again, George? Yeah, exactly. They, they produce one now for Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the, and the Disney Cruise Line. And we're not going to cover each one in detail, but maybe just take a look at some of the highlights of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So for the uh, the, uh, uninitiated, (laughs) excuse me, I can't speak either. Um, Hmm. To me, uh, these guys are kind of like invaluable for them. Uh, you know, for the first and the second and sometimes even the fifth time visitor, the the guides have all the information that you need. And the guides, they're updated yearly, so they're really a great resource for everything that you want to know. And, you know, just the ridiculous stuff, like what's the height restriction for Big Thunderbound Railroad? Or what kind of food is served at a Cosmic Rays? Or how awesome is Jeff compared to George? I mean, all <laughs> that stuff is in these guides, so you don't have to wander around aimlessly. I mean, the guide has it all, especially that last one yeah of course
0: significantly that's the answer well anyway i remember using a a burnbound guide to plan my first trip and it to me it made a huge difference because you know walt disney world is huge and it can be daunting to think about going there because even reading the burnbound book before and then experiencing it, i was like uh, you know aware of half of what was going on but I am happy to say, thanks to my good friend Todd West, I am now the proud owner of every single Walt Disney World Birdball since their introduction in 1982. Nerd, me. me. Oh, thanks. nerd. Hey, yeah. Uh, a weekly podcast all about Walt Disney history. Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why, why? Ghost have- <laughs> whistle. <laughs> I couldn't resist, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay, I, I don't mind. You know, the, the reason I collect all of them, because it's, it's one of the few resources to semi-document all the changes at Walt Disney World. Um, you know, you can find the names of the restaurants that the contemporary that, you know, in 1983, you can look at the admission prices in the 1990s. And, and I've always felt that keeping a good collection of these on hand is a must for every historian. And, you know, I, I use the current editions to help plan out family vacations because sometimes it's a little bit easier for the kids to sit down together and, you know, pull through one of the guides and pick out what they want to do, attractions they might want to eat or even reminiscing. You know, it's a great way to look back at a trip and go, Oh, I remember this. You know. And then cry. What it and comes to cry. stuff like an Epcot? Is that what, is that <laughs> what you're referring it's, to? Is how good it was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I n- I never used a guide myself in my the younger days, just because I kind of didn't have a choice. It was mostly just my parents going, "We're doing this. We're doing this." <laughs> but you know, for I would say for people on opposite coast, you know, for example, myself, who when I first came to Disneyland for like the first time in 20 years, this this guide was a great resource for me. And, you know, for people going from Disneyland to Walt Disney World, it can be very daunting, you know, considering the mm-hmm. resort size. So it's a good idea for them. Um, I've only been on one cruise in my entire life, and it was a Disney cruise. And I wish I had read the guide before I went on the Disney cruise because it was pretty daunting for that as well, even though it was a yeah. ship that you were contained on. Um, <laughs> but it's it's still amazing to see how much information they can pack into the, one of these books. Um but just kind of a downside, sometimes, for whatever reason, their information is a, a little bit outdated. Yeah, that could uh, happen. I, yeah. I did notice some of the maps were a little older, yes. um, yeah. which was upsetting.
0: But, I mean, otherwise, the, the books have some good stuff in it. Yeah, they've had some changes. And, you know, I, I think it's it's pretty safe for us to say that all three of the guides, the Walt Disney World, the Disneyland, and the Cruise Line, they offer something for every vacationer. Um they're a great tool for first timers to help them get oriented in a way for veterans to get caught up and maybe see what's new if you haven't been on a trip in a while. And I always, I, I said this earlier, but I always recommend the official guides to friends that are traveling for the first time because the presentation of the books is, is simply so accessible. And that to me is one of the strengths of the, the Burnbound guides themselves. I agree. I think they're good. <laughs> you should get guides.
2: <laughs> Do it that way. Yes. Or hire us. I mean, that's your other option.
0: Yes, we're willing to do a CommuniCore Weekly Tours is, LLC because we don't want to get sued. Oh, if we okay. just say LLC, we won't get sued. Is that how that works? I think so. Okay, think so fair enough. Well, fair enough. Okay, well, obviously, we were talking about the three Burnbaum guides uh, for this week's episode—the one for Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and the Disney Cruise Line.
1: Sometimes it's a one, sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break. <sighs> a bathroom break. <laughs>
2: You know, folks, sometimes we encounter a bathroom that's so amazing, George and I don't even have the words to talk about it. So we let someone
0: else do it. Exactly. Um, We had the opportunity on the Communa for one of our favorite CommunaGore cadets. He was able to use a very special and very cool bathroom, and we want to give him the opportunity to tell us all about it. So, Leo, take it away.
1: I should present the Communicator Weekly Bathroom Break this week. I recently had the opportunity to use the bathroom at the Jim Henson Muppet Studios. It used to be the Charlie Chaplin Studios. I think I made a peed for Charlie Chaplin peed. Most of the tails were black and white, and it smelled a little stinky, but not too stinky. And uh, there were really big humanos, and there was um, and there were no muppets. And, and the community tour was nice, and that's all I have to say. For Jeff, Hyde book, and George Taylor, this is Leo. sometimes you might see it sometimes you don't hey look what's that it's a five-legged
2: goat <laughs> part of big thunderbound railroad at disneyland sits on the former site of Ma- mine train through nature's wonderland and so several tributes to the original attraction can be found for example The town you travel past at the end of the ride, which, of course, now you know that Tony Baxter's, uh, I'm sorry, Barnabas T. Bullion's photo is hanging (laughs) in the saloon there. But that town was originally named Rainbow Ridge, after the name of the town that overlooked the loading platform on mine train through Nature's Wonderland. And also, some of the animatronics used in Big Thunder were originally for a Mine Train attraction as well. And even the name of the ride itself, Big Thunder, was originally the name of an enormous waterfall that the train passed on the Mine Train tour. Little Thunder was located nearby. So there's all neat little tidbits and things in there for you to
0: check out. Yeah, and it's pretty amazing that something that's simply a roller coaster in many people's eyes has so many five-legged goats. So much history and so many different ties to Disneyland. Yeah, nice little well. nods all over the place on, on a train, especially ones that has
2: Ghost Whistles! Ooh! I've been waiting for an opportunity to bring that up again. I'm sorry.
0: That'll be our next show will be the Ghost Whistler. The Ghost Whistler? <laughs> <laughs> no? No uh, takers. Oh good. We'll, we'll, we'll see if the if the boys come up with a theme song. That'd be great. I'm yeah, okay with then that then idea. Then we'll have to do a Ghost Whistler song. Oh, Halloween episode coming this fall to ABC. <laughs> the Ghost Whistler. <laughs> okay. Well, before this gets any sillier, is that possible? Is it possible? Is I it? Know. I don't think it is. Uh, anyway, well, thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode. <laughs> Yes, be sure to
2: <laughs> leave us a comment and give us a rating on iTunes. Let us know what you thought of this one, please.
0: Of just Ghost Whistles. <laughs> email us at
2: weekly at gmail.com and of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Weekly. Listen, we we keep <laughs> delivering on Mustache Mondays, Tony Baxter Tuesdays, Flying Saucer, Flying Saucer Fridays. Fridays, Ghost Whistling
1: Wednesdays! Oh! <laughs> Maybe
2: Spooky Saturdays. Spooky Saturdays. Man, we're going to have so so many different and theme so many days
0: themes. all week long. You're gonna be tired.
2: I'm gonna be tired. Good thing I could schedule these things in advance because I'm going to forget <laughs> about every single one. I'm just gonna do now for like the
0: next two months so it's all done. It's just schedule them all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, anyways, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imagineerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbach. And,
2: of course, give us a call on the Communicore Weekly Goatline line at 424-785-4628. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail. It'll be
0: great. Yes, it is. And pick up your copy of Communicore Weekly, the musical, today. You will absolutely love it. We guarantee it. Or yesterday. Pick it up or yesterday. yesterday. That's true, because you could have already bought it. And then That's it true. Us anyway. anyway. So, for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck.
2: <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to another week of our shenanigans, guys and girls. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.